Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. And now, Dr. Matt Friedemann. Anybody here like to sing? I want an honest answer here. How many of you like, I really like to sing. I kind of like to sing, yeah. How many really don't? That's okay too. Yeah, good. See those hands, you pagan people. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Some things we like to do, some things we don't, and uh, music uh, isn't everybody's thing. But, you know, singing's kind of not even music, really. It's just kind of saying, I like to... My, my, my dad used to go through our store. We had, we had a store called Freedom and Service Store, and uh, he used to go whistling, but he only whistled one thing. Uh, I think I can do it. I think I can remember it. That was it. I heard that so many times in my life. I have no idea what it was to. I don't think he knew what it was to. Didn't matter what it was to. He was a music guy. Now, he was a terrible singer. I've already told you that. Uh, one of the big things we did every Sunday, we'd go in and sit on the front row of our United Methodist Church, and he would bellow out, and I mean bellow, bellow in the worst imaginable way, loud, boisterously bellow. And all I knew was, man, the man can't sing, but he likes to sing, and real men sing. <laughs> that's what I just learned. Now, whether that's true or not, that's what I learned. Real men sing. Even if they can't sing, they sing. And so he would always sing as loud as he possibly could. He would whistle that stupid whistle going through Freedom and Service Store. It just picked up. I don't know. I decided I wanted to be a singer too. Now, I'm not much of a singer. I'll tell you right now, I'm not. But having said that, I like to. And uh, so Celebrate Recovery been having a little trouble with volunteers to be able to say, let's, uh, let's do the singing thing, let's do the band things. So I said, well, you know, I, uh, I'll give it a whirl. So Friday night, I gave it a whirl. I was worship leader for Celebrate Recovery. Not saying it was good, not saying it was anything. It was just me trying to be loud, playing my guitar loud, singing loud. I said, put a lot of vibrato on that. I have no idea what that is, but some way to make my voice sound something that it's not. Put a lot of it on. Is that enough? No, that's not enough. Put more of it on. I want it to echo. I want it to sound epic. It didn't sound epic, y'all. It was pretty. Anyway, so I, I just say that I like to sing. In fact, we're trying to, we're, we're, we're rolling around now to April. And when April starts, that's back in Great Bend, Kansas, where track season really heated up. And uh, as you may remember, I was on the track and field team. And I was a discus thrower, and I got a coach named Don Duncan that started to coach me up, and uh, by the time I was a senior, I was third in the nation. I mean, I was good at this thing called the discus throw. So this is the time when you think, man, April, May ought to be like hilarious times of remembrance for you. They're not. They're times of pain, really. And they're pain because of... This episode, and maybe a couple of other episodes, where I really wanted to rise, and I didn't rise. So let me tell you why this is painful. The first point of pain for me is this. Um, I'm not going to tell you the other ones, but the first major one was there was a state meet. And I'm third in the nation, so I'm going to win the state meet. You know, I can beat anybody that's there pretty easily. Been beating them all year long, been beating them for three years. I mean, I can, I can do this. But the night before... They scheduled the variety show. Now, the variety show is when uh, anybody can sing, you can do acts. It's basically a talent show. But it's a lot of fun, and it's hilarious, and you just kind of... But it was the night before the state meet. And so I had, I kid you not, 
I was, had and was part of 12 acts during the variety show. I wasn't going to miss it. I had a blast just performing at the variety show. We were singing. We were dancing. My favorite thing was Officer Krupke. I don't know if anybody you've seen West Side Story. We did Officer Krupke. It was hilarious. It was fun. We did a, we, we, we had a barbershop quartet. It was so much fun. I had a blast, but that meant I didn't get to bed until 12 or so that evening. The state meet, my event, is at 9. We're two hours away from Wichita where the meet is. That means I get up at 6 a.m. in order to be there an hour early, and I don't know about you. High school kids, six hours of sleep. I got there, and I'm thinking, I'm good. I'm okay. I I can do this. And I didn't do it. I got second place. I was third in the nation and second in Kansas. And to this day, it bothers me to no end. I'll wake up at night at 62 years of age thinking I should have won that stupid meet. And let me tell you what, how I talk myself off the cliff. Whenever I think that thought, I I think, yeah, but the variety show. And I like to sing as much as I like to throw the discus. God likes people who sing. He says over and over and over again in the Psalms, I want you to sing. One of the last things Jesus did was sing. In fact, this is what I believe. On the cross, there's a series of hymns that we think he may well have been singing even on the cross. And A couple times he enters into the Psalter, and from the Psalter, his last words were, into your hands I commit my spirit, Psalm 31, 5. And you know something? I've always wondered. I wonder if he tried to sing it right before he died, because he knew that's what we do as people of faith. We sing even, and maybe even especially Right before we die. Thought, wouldn't that be a cool way to die? John Wesley died that way. They all grabbed hands and were singing a hymn. And he passed away. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Could we die singing? Well, that's what Jesus did. He has this last supper. He says, this is my body. This is my blood. They have no idea what in the world he's talking about. But they would know later as they look back at that moment. But he's coaching them up on what's going to be happening in the days, in fact, in the hours ahead. And he's saying, listen, let us sing a hymn before we go. Now, I just want to share with you some of these hymns. The first one we're going to go over is Psalm 113. We just read it. But Psalm 113 has, I think, five things that we could concentrate on even this morning. The first one is praise. And that is Halal. Praise means to shine. It means to boast. So this is what I think it means. We put the light on God. Not on us. Not on our church. Not on our family. That's not why we exist. We don't exist to shine the light on us. We exist to shine the light on Jesus. On God. In fact, I love uh, one of the points that Matt Ayers made, uh, who is presenting the spiritual warfare stuff on Wednesday. He said, One of the great things to remember about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. In fact, I asked this one time. I said, Dr. Oswald, John Oswald, who uh, is a great 
Christian communicator and, and taught at our seminary for years. I said, Dr. Oswald, tell me why it is that there doesn't seem to be very many really good books about the Holy Spirit. And he says, it's because the Holy Spirit doesn't shine the light on himself. The Holy Spirit exists to put the light on Jesus. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to say, look at Jesus. And I'm thinking, that's brilliant. That's what we ought to do, right? He says, yeah, that's what we ought to do. Let's be like that Holy Spirit that continually shines the light. And, it, you know, if you want to know what it means to praise, want to know what it means to worship, one of the things you can know is simply, hey, let's boast about God. We do these discipleship groups called 5Q, five questions. First question is what scripture is saying. The next question is based on what the scripture is saying, how can we praise this God? And sometimes I say it like this, how can we brag about God? How can we boast about God? How can we lift him up? And that's a great life is bragging about God, boasting about God. There's been a guy named Christian Smith, wrote a book. Now, the book's not so famous, but this idea, three words came out of the book that were pretty incredible. The book was named Soul Searching, The Religious and Spiritual Lives of American Teenagers. And he said in that book that many young American adults, and I don't think it's just young American adults, I think it's the evangelical nation, is we have got a faith that is all about moralistic, therapeutic deism. You're thinking, what? Wait, what? Moralistic is basically live a good life. Therapeutic is, hey, he exists to make my life turn out well. He exists to make me happy. He exists to make me have good feelings. That's why God exists. So moralistic, live a good life. Therapeutic, he exists to make me happy. Deism is, but he's not really involved in my life. He's way off there. He's way up there. And he says, that is the faith of a lot of teens today. And I'll say, I'm not going to put that on the teens. I think it's a, it's a faith of a lot of us today. And so this view of God, he says, has a profound impact on prayer. He says, it's amazing. You ask an American teen, do you pray? And 40%, he said, pray daily or more. That's kind of encouraging, isn't it? The teenagers today, 40% of them are praying daily. He says, 15% said, they never prayed, but 40% said we pray daily. But their motivation for prayer is interesting. They focused their prayer on meeting their own needs. So almost their whole prayer life was, I need help. Could you help? I need you in this situation. Could you come to my rescue? My girlfriend just broke up with me. Can you help her get back together with me? Uh, on and on it goes. It's, hey, this has happened. I need your help. This has happened. I need your help. This has happened. I need your help. And almost inevitably, the prayers weren't about two major things. It weren't about repentance, like I need to turn. I need your help in changing my life. And it wasn't about praise. It wasn't about worship. Because you don't worship when you are the point of the prayer. Instead of saying, God, no, you're the point of the prayer. I want to worship you. And so I've always said this, and I think it's very important that we remember it, is the best part, the greatest part, the part that you ought to spend the most time on in your personal prayer life, and I hope everyone has one, by the way. I hope every day you're opening up Scripture. Early in the morning is the best time, 
but do it whenever you can. You're opening up the Bible, and you're having a prayer time with God based on what you're reading in Scripture. Now, as you have that prayer time, most and the best part of that prayer ought to be worshiping Him, adoring Him. And that's a very unusual American prayer life. That's not what we do. We want to go to Him and begin asking Him for things. I remember years ago, a very, very famous preacher in this nation. If Some of you are old enough to remember 1976. Remember that? And it was a time when we wondered, will God come in and stir revival in America? And our favorite verse for that was, if my people who call on my name will humble themselves and seek my face, I will heal them. I'll restore their land. And the guy said, well, you know, 1976 has come and gone, and we haven't had revival. And the key reason we haven't had a revival is we were so busy seeking his hand, we forgot to seek his face. And that's worship. Seeking his face. Bragging about him. Telling him how great he is. Because when we do that, our lives turn out extraordinary. In fact, if you want to get strong, miracle answers to prayers, the best thing to do is not to ask for the thing. The best thing to do is worship God. He loves answering the prayers of people who worship him, who praise him, who lift him up, who seek his face, who just say, Lord, I'm going to brag about you to you right now. This is how awesome you are. This is how great you are. Well, guess what? That's what a lot of the Psalms are about, but particularly Psalm 113, praise the Lord. By the way, you know what that word is? You know what that word is in the Hebrew? You want to learn some Hebrew today? You think, nah, not really. You like Hebrew a lot better than we do, preacher. Yeah, you like this word too, though. Hallelujah is praise. Yah is God. Did you know it? Hey, let's do some Hebrew together. Hallelujah. Let's sing it. Hallelujah. Woo! You know Hebrew now. You can go home and say, hey, kids, let's do some Hebrew today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's both how this begins and this ends. It ends with hallelujah. Praise him, you servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. And the last three words are hallelujah. Indeed, praise the Lord. Now, having said that, the next great thing we can learn from this psalm is simply, we want to praise him. We want to bless him in the name of God. Praise the name of the Lord. Verse 2, blessed be the name of the Lord. From this time on and forever, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. One, uh, one week, a few years ago, we had tragedy to strike a uh, day spring. One of our people really struggling physically. And uh, it shook up a lot of people. This person was dearly loved, not only in this congregation, but in other congregations. Someone showed up and uh, heard about this and want to know what we were doing. I said, well, this is what we're doing. I mean, and he says, well, are you praying? Well, of course we're praying. We're laying hands on prayer. Yeah, yeah, we're praying. And she all of a sudden just got irritated, like we weren't praying enough or weren't praying the right way. Just really irritated. And she wanted to know, are you praying in the name of Jesus? <laughs> of course we're praying in the name of Jesus. But listen, why do you ask? Listen, 
in the name of the Lord is not a magical incantation. There's a lot of people think you just got to say the right words. That's magic. If you, if you think you've just got to say the right words, like in the name of Jesus at the end of the prayer for the prayer to matter, you're dealing in magic. I don't want to do magic, not a day spring. I want to do holy. I want to do righteous. I want to do God. I want to say, cry out to him. And I don't mind at all saying in the name of the Lord, but you need to know what in the name means before you start saying, I really like those six syllables. In the name means in the character of. So we praise this God who is of holy character, who is of righteous character, who is a lover, but also he is a discipliner. We want the whole counsel of God. We want the, all the face of God, not just the parts we like. And so we go and say, in the name of the Lord, two ways. We say, that's who you are, but Lord, that's also who I am. Now, did you get that? We're quiet in here all of a sudden. What's with that? That's who I am. I want to go to you and say, this is my strong admonition in the name of the Lord, recognizing you are holy, but I want you to know I'm coming to you as a holy one. You say, well, that's that's not possible. Well, then you don't know David. David wrote a bunch of these Psalms, and he all the time is saying, possible, I am blameless before, and he just says, hey, I'm blameless before you check me out. He actually says it, check me out, examine me. And if you see anything that's not you, anything that's not holy, burn it away. It's been my prayer lately, Lord. Examine me. Examine my heart. Examine my mind. And burn away everything that's not you. It's a bold prayer. And I don't want to pray it. And I've decided that's exactly why I need to pray it. Lord, examine me so that my prayers can be all the more powerful in your name. And so that's how we want to live. I I, I was talking about my discus throwing back in high school. My mom, I asked her to do this when I was a sophomore. I was starting to get good at it. I said, Mom, because I saw somebody else. Somebody had a running for Jesus t-shirt. It was a young sprinter, lady. I thought, oh, I like that. I said, Mom, can we get something like that for me? She actually made a t-shirt for me, throwing for Jesus. And so I started going to track meets, throwing for Jesus. But then my life, I knew something about my life wasn't actually living for Jesus. And I quit wearing the t-shirt because... It wasn't true. If I'm not living for Jesus, I can't say I'm throwing for Jesus. And y'all, in the name of Jesus, in the name of God, in the name of the Lord means this. I'm going to pray bold, holy prayers to an incredible, wonder-working, miracle-working God because I am holy, and that's exactly how he's going to hear me. He's going to look at me and say, because this person is rightly aligned, I'm going to answer in powerful ways. And so y'all, don't try to fool God. You're not going to do it anyway, but don't try to, don't, in your own mind, saying, listen, I can pray and live like hell. Yeah, yeah, you can, but I wouldn't 
expect much from this holy God as you're living like hell. Amen? The third thing is this. One thing, if you want to brag about God, is to recognize He is a high God. Verse 4, the Lord is high above all the nations. His glory is above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? I love that phrase. Who is like this Lord? Who is like Yahweh? Who is like this God? He's enthroned on high. He looks down to the heavens and the earth, which means he's up there. He is an incomparable, exalted, most high God. In fact, I was in my devotions this morning, and I just said over and over again, I just saw this word, he's exalted. And it says he's the most high God. And I just said, Lord, I want you higher, even higher in my life. So I've been praying the Psalter for years, five Psalms a day. And I've just had plenty of opportunity to say, Lord, you're exalted. But the Lord seems to say to me, I love it when you say that to me, Matt. Thank you for saying I'm exalted. Thank you for saying I'm the most high God. Thank you for saying I'm high above the heavens and the earth. I'm high above the nations. Thank you, Matt. Now, could you act like it? You're going to have opportunities all day long, Matt. You're going to have problems slam dunk you. Well, I've been watching the NCAA tournament. Can you tell? Oh, there's nothing better than a guy dunking over another guy. Guy just up there trying to stop it. He can't stop. Listen, you're going to get slam dunked on this week. And as you are, know that the guy that slam dunked on you is a whole lot lower than this most high God. And so, know that God wants to say in the middle of that argument at work, remember this. I'm the most high God, and I want to be high in your mind right now. I want to be the uttermost priority in your mind right now. As you're getting yelled at, as you're about ready to get fired, as you're about ready to face some tough consequences in your life, know, just know, and think of me right now, right now, as the most high, exalted God. And if we could get that mindset more and more, yeah, even if you're stopped for running that sign you shouldn't have been running past in your car, and you're getting stopped, and you're in park, and here comes the guy walking towards your car, most of us aren't thinking the most high God in that moment. Most of us are thinking, oh man, oh man, this is what I'm thinking, all the crime we got in this metro area, and you're stopping me for a stop sign. We're not talking most high God. We're not talking, hey, I'm a sinner. I'm glad I got a most high God. Hey, officer, do what you have to do. I messed it up. Anybody ever really messed it up and run into a nice police officer? Let me tell you what happened to me one day. I don't know why I'm telling you this. I'm, I'm at a, we, we, in, my, in, in my neighborhood, there's a, there's, a stop, there's a stoplight here and a stoplight here. And some of you know, I try to get as much out of my gas mileage in my car, which is why I was going 60 miles an hour on the interstate today. I want to, it's a game. How big of a number can I get on gas mileage by the time I get to Day Spring Church? Yeah, I'm that irritating guy going so slow to get that number high. And as I'm doing it, so I'm, I'm stopped, I'm not stopped. I'm going in 
And instead of looking at this stoplight, I'm looking at the next one, thinking I gotta get to the next one so I don't have to stop. That's green, this one's red. There's a police officer, I kid you not, right behind me. I see him, I say, I don't care, I'm going slow. I go right through a red light with him right there. He's not 10 feet away from my bumper. His lights go on. I think, oh my goodness, what, what could have possibly happened? He comes, I says, sir, what are you doing? <laughs> Who in his right mind would go right past a red light with a policeman behind him? Sir, what are you doing? And I tried to act as professionally as I possibly could to say, <laughs> well, I was looking at the next slide. I kind of blew it, didn't I? He says, don't do that again. And walked away. I thought, praise God from whom I was singing, from a blessing flow. Matt, even in those moments when you're a moron, I want you to remember me as your most high God the highly exalted one of your life. Even in those moments, Matt, watch me bless you as you think those things. Now, I got to tell you, sometimes he'll bless you when you're not thinking those things. That was one of those moments, all right? He's an incomparable, exalted, most high God. And he says, I want to be higher in your thinking and in your doing today, higher than I was yesterday, the day before yesterday, last week. Make me today even higher in your thinking, even more exalted in your doing. The fourth thing is this. He exalts the lowly. I love this. Verse 7, he raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the garbage heap. Oh. He raises them up to seat them with noblemen, with the noblemen of his people. I've never been there although I've been to Nairobi twice. They say in Nairobi, Kenya, there is a garbage dump where it spreads for several square miles, just a huge garbage heap. And that's where many of the poor of Nairobi live because they can live rent-free. Don't have to pay anybody. And they say, as you go onto this garbage heap and the smell hits you, and you see children playing in sewers, open sewers. And you see the horrific disease. And you think, oh my goodness, how could anybody live here? What you will notice is from time to time, particularly if you go on a Sunday, there'll be a lean-to shack somewhere where they're singing the praises of God. And it will humble you like no like no other thing possibly could, to recognize amidst this disease, amidst open sewers, amidst people dying, amidst this horrific smell, and the food's even worse than the smell because they're picking it off off the garbage heap. Guess what? They're singing my praise. And God says, I can pick them up off a garbage heap just like I can pick them up off of a traffic stop in Jackson, Mississippi. Trust me in this. Nicholas Kristof, I'm no fan. I know who he is. He's an op-ed columnist for the New York Times. 
And boy, he can be surprising sometimes, but most of the time he's just plain irritating. He wrote a column in the year 2015, and it was titled, A Little Respect for Dr. Foster. A lot of people started reading it think he's going to tear someone limb from limb, but he didn't do it. Christoph is not an evangelical Christian, not even close. And he starts off his column saying, that's not me, that's not who I am. But he says this, and I'll just quote it, but I've been truly awed by those I've seen in so many remote places, combating illiteracy and warlords, famine and disease, humbly struggling to do the Lord's work as they see it. And so he says, just for the calm purpose, let me tell you about a guy named Dr. Stephen Foster. He's a 65 white-haired missionary surgeon. He's lived in Angola for 37 years. Much of that in a period when the Angolan regime was Marxist and utterly hostile to Christians. And so he interviews Foster. He says, uh, Foster says, yeah, we were granted visas by the very people who told us publicly, your churches are going to disappear in 20 years. They'll be gone. But privately, they told us, you're the ones. You're the only ones willing to serve in the midst of the fire. And so Christoph said this, of Dr. Foster, one son contracted polio. A daughter survived cerebral malaria. The family nearly starved, his family nearly starved, when the area was besieged during war, and Dr. Foster absolutely insisting on sharing the family rations with a hundred other famished villagers. And Christoph says this, Next time you hear someone at a cocktail party, mock evangelicals. Think of Dr. Foster and those like him. These are folks who don't so much proclaim the gospel as they live it, and they deserve better. (laughs) Y'all, that's the kind of church we are, and we want to be more and more, is we want to look out on a community And for crying out loud, we're the poorest state in the nation. We ought to be able to find plenty of pain to run towards. And we want to be the community that runs to that pain. And COVID's made it hard, but it's opening it back up, folks. And I never want to be known as the congregation that got comfortable during COVID and couldn't rise back up to run to the prisons. And we're running right now to the prisons. Thank you. Both men and women. The women got stormed out this week. They weren't able to do their thing. But hey, it's happening every week. 14 people received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in a prison this week because of Dayspring's influence, because Jesus is working through Dayspring in that prison. And on it goes. Listen, nursing homes are going to open up. When they do, we can't say, you know, I just, just, I just don't think that's my call. <laughs> I love William Booth. Y'all who know who William Booth is? Salvation Army, William Booth would say, not called? Did you say not called? Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him go bid you pull sinners out of the flame of fire. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized 
heart of humanity and listen to their pitiful will for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and say, sister and brother and cousin and mother, don't come here. Then you look Christ in the face whose mercy you say you want to proclaim and tell him whether you will join heart and soul, body and circumstances in order to publish his mercies to the world. Not called. We're called. We're called to be like this God. You see, listen, whenever they're bragging about God in the Bible, it's not just for fun. It's saying, hey, that's what you ought to be. You ought to live like a highly exalted one. You ought to live like that. And the way you do that is the way Jesus did it. He washed feet as a highly exalted one. Guess what? And guess what else he did? He went to the margins of the culture, didn't he? He said, I want to touch those no one else wants to touch. I want to interact with the people no one else wants to interact with. I want to embrace those who are unembraceable, or so the culture says, that's who I belong to the mostest in this culture. And he says the same thing to you when he says, follow me. Follow me. And so when it says here, he raises the poor from the dust. He's also saying, and so do my people. When it said, he lists the needy from the garbage heap. He says, listen, my people, Dayspring is looking for the garbage heap scenarios. It says, hey, I want to seat them with respectable people in the culture, noblemen, the noblemen of his people. God wants to do it, and he wants to do it with you. Last thing here I want to say is just a little personal. But um, I was zipping through actually last night saying, I don't know what to say on this one. And I came across something. And I looked over to my wife sitting over there on the couch. I said, sweetheart, this is you, wasn't it? Sometimes as a family, we sit around and just give thanks. What does Jesus bless us with that we need to brag about him on? How can we brag about God right now? And my wife said this. There's a speaker one day, she said they came to Asbury University. It was during what they call the fall revival. So every, every year they have a fall revival. And uh, sometimes it's really great and sometimes not so much. And that year, she seemed to think it was really great. Speaker was spot on. God was on the move. And the speaker said... The Lord calls us by name. So he said, I want you, every one of you students right now to pause. And I want you to ask Jesus what name that he wants to call you by. What name does he want to call you by? And Mary paused, prayed, and she says, I feel like Jesus, in that moment, said, Mary, your name is fruitful. I'm going to call you, by name, fruitful. And she said, my dear wife, with tears in her eyes that day, she's with all her kids and with her husband, he's been faithful. You know what I love about that story? 
Every day I pray for my fourth generation. People I'll never know, never see. Great, great grandchildren. I'm just never going to see them. But I pray for them. And I have a list of things I pray for them about. It dawned on me one day, I wonder if anybody prayed that for us. The way life has turned out, I bet somebody was praying like that for us. So I started real quick running it through my family. I thought, no. Nobody in my family would have done that. Would have even known to do it. If they'd been told, maybe. But they, I thought, not on my I looked over at Mary. I said, do you suppose anybody on your? She goes, oh, you know something? Yes. My grandmother. Maybe great-grandmother. Anyway, we figured it out. Our children are the great, great-grandchildren of the person who prayed for four generations. That someone was praying for their souls. You think, we're such great parents. You know, we're such great people. That's why they ended up being so... No, no, no. God is great. And some holy person asked a holy God, could you make that generation four from now holy? This is what he says. As a word picture... In those days, nothing could be worse than to be a woman who couldn't have a child. That was, as a woman, that was going to be your future. And if you didn't have a kid, when your husband died, whoa, all bets are off and you're in trouble. So you had to get a family and the bigger the better. And all of a sudden now you can't have kids and that hurts. And you can look back at the Bible at the hurt that comes from a woman not being able to have kids. And she's... She's thinking, I, I, I want to have kids, said Mary. But more than that, I want to have a fruitful life. I want to have a life where people say, ah, oh, that woman was invested. She was planted. She grew. She was pruned. And she gave fruit. That's what I want my life to be. Y'all? One of the best things God does is he gives fruitfulness to fruitlessness. And I think he does it physically, I do, but I'm going to tell you, the greater truth is he does it spiritually. And he can do that with your life. Someone just recently, just this weekend said, I just, I just want to be more. And I think what he was saying was, I just want to be fruitful for Jesus. And so we had this talk and we had this fellowship and y'all, it's going to happen in his life. It's going to happen in his life. But it's going to happen as he says, I am today fruitless. I want to be fruitful. And so I come under now the program of God and say, God, make me like you. Here's what's interesting. There's a story in the Bible about a tree that's uh, not producing fruit. Let's chop it down. Someone intervenes and says, no, give us another year. And what you do is you, you dig around it. I love this part of it. And you stick manure on it. Now, manure is kind of a cool thing if you're a growing thing. For us, it probably sounds just like Jesus meant it to sound. You stick cattle droppings on it. Sheep droppings on it. You're thinking, I don't want that. 
No, no, no. I, wanna, I want moralistic therapeutic deism. I want to feel good. I'm going to God right now because I want to feel good. Well, what if he wants you to feel good eventually? But right now what he's got to do is plow you up. He's got to prune you back. He's got to add some cattle droppings to your life. I don't want that. Well, then you're not going to get the fruitful. How many here are willing to say, whatever it takes, that's what I want God to do to my life to make me spiritually fruitful. And Jesus, I believe there's some hearts around this place right now that are willing to say with Psalm 26.2, examine me. By the way, David just said I'm blameless. I'm without blame. I'm without sin. So examine me. Examine my heart and my mind. And then burn away, refine me, burn away everything that's not you so that I can be fruitful. Now, this is what I meant for Jesus. He just got done praying that, singing it, that I might be fruitful. Amen, guys. Amen. All right, let's go. Let's go across the street to the Mount of Olives. Where I'm going to get betrayed. A couple hours later, one of you guys are going to deny me. They're going to start spitting on me. Going to rake a, a whip with sharp things at the end across my back 40 times. I'm going to be practically dead at that point. But that's not going to be enough for them. They're going to say, here's a Roman gibbet. Here's a cross. Carry that. And I'm going to struggle. And I'm going to bleed. And I'm going to hurt all the way out. Then they're going to throw down that cross. They're going to stick me on it. They're going to take spikes. And put them through one wrist over here. Put them through another wrist here. Put one through the heels. Then they're going to stick me high on that mount and laugh at me. And that's the price of my fruitfulness. And the price has been paid for your fruitfulness. Anybody here ready? To embrace it. Jesus says, the way to fruitfulness is deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. Lord, there are many people here that say, I'm more ready now than ever before to be that kind of woman, to be that kind of man. Jesus, it can only happen by your grace. So give us grace to deny. Grace for our own personal tailor-made cross. And grace that we might follow you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, in the name of Jesus. We pray, amen and amen. God bless you, dear ones. Thank you.